Well, we're going to just share a little bit of where we've come from. I'm not going to spend too long on this, but uh, we do have a lot of new people with us over the last few, week, few weeks. And man, God's just doing something really special um, here. And God's doing something Thursday night. Outreach was amazing. Uh, we saw two people born again um, on the streets and uh, give their life to Jesus. And, we, um, and then prayer night was just incredible as well. We just had a great time encouraging each other and uh, building each other up in the faith. And, uh, you know, when we planted this church, I had, I had someone say to me, um, oh, Liam, because we were, so we were a home group of about 40 people on a Thursday night. And um, we used to meet in our home. We had an eight metre long dining room. And we would meet in there. We we had the Hurstbridge crew come one night. I think there was about 80 people that night. It was packed. And uh, and then we we moved to Browns Road. Uh, um, Greg and Carol uh, opened up their home for us, and they had this massive lounge room. And uh, and they said, hey, why don't you come and meet here? There's just a lot more room. And so uh, we did that. And we we really no, I I never wanted to kind of plan a church. That was never on, sort of on our radar. And God began to speak to us about, he just kept showing a number of people 11-11. And it kept happening. I mean, I was playing indoor soccer one night and the clock stopped on 11-11 and it was one all. You know, and it, it, just, it just became like, I'm not talking like, oh, I saw that, you know, it happened twice, you know, because it can happen twice on your clock. Uh, <laughs> it was happening all the time, you know. What do they say? Prophets are right, uh, at least right twice a day kind of thing. That's, you know. But, you know, we, uh, we um, <laughs> sorry, I love prophets. Uh, but we, you know, we were like, all right, what are you saying to us? And I was, I was like, Mark 11.11, John 11.11, and nothing was sort of speaking out to me. And, uh, and then we, we, this happened all the time. We'd get a bill that was $11.11, you know, Centrelink bill would be $11.11 or whatever, Eastlink bill, I think it was. It just happened all the time. Numerous people were like 11.11, it kept happening, and, so we're like, all right, what are you saying, Lord? And I knew we were going through a transition and people say 11 is a transition number because they were 12 disciples and they became 11. They transitioned back to 12. And I was like, okay, well, what's, what are you saying to us as a community and as a home group and as a this and that? And then a friend of ours actually rang us. He goes to Discovery Church and he said, I, I really feel like 11.11 is Deuteronomy 11.11. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I read it and it says, you're going over. And we'd been spending three months specifically praying uh, for, hey, just turn around for a second. Look at the clock. (laughs) Just putting it out there. (laughs) Timed that to perfection. (laughs) We rehearsed it all week. No, no, we didn't. (laughs) uh, and, <laughs> and he said, I really feel like it's, it's Deuteronomy 11.11. We'd been praying specifically for the hills and the valleys of Yarra Valley, this region. And I didn't know this at the time. Robin was um, gracious in sharing with me a bunch of history of this place. And obviously there was the Bible college that used to be on the hill there. And, um, you know, Vineyard were in Lilydale at the time and um, which Vineyard are now in Montrose. Uh, and then there was the word bookstore. 
that was there and there was overflow and there was a bunch of churches that were in Lillardale. And there's still, obviously, there's a, you know, one or two churches that are in Lillardale. But all of those things had been taken out of Lillardale. And, and so we were praying for Lillardale in this region and the area and the Yarra Valley and the hills and the mountains. And, and Deuteronomy 11, 11 says that you're going over to possess the land of hills and valleys. And we were at a Jesus school, which was a thing that we used to run with Youth for Christ. We'd have 80 people come. We'd just spend 10 days together, living together, preaching the gospel, seeing people saved. And awesome stuff happened. We were down at Phillip Island. Kim was there. And a friend of ours was preaching a message on repentance. And it was a message on repentance when this word came through about you're going over to possess the land of hills and valleys. I remember sitting in my chair and I took the message. It was a, a audio, like a video message. I went out and listened to it, and I was like, oh, I think you're asking us to plant a church, Lord. And I go back in, and this guy gives an altar call for church planters <laughs> in the middle of a message on repentance. And I'm like, oh, all right, I think we're on here. And um, I, we went down, and, and we got wrecked, and, and we're like, all right, we're going you know, to gonna, gonna actually plant a church. And uh, uh, Shen and I weren't actually at that time, at a church, uh, we'd come out of the vineyard. I was a youth pastor there for four years. And the vineyard were awesome. They gave us money to start the church. And they said, no, we want you to do it in Lillardale. And we want you to do it here. And we're like, all right, cool. That suits me. This is where we live, work, and play. And so <laughs> let's, let's do it here. And, and, um, and then the Sevies were just gracious in opening up their building. And so that's how we began and uh, that's, that's the story. That's a little bit of the story. There's a lot more to it, but that's, that's, that's sort of where we began. And the three, uh, the, the three we're going to go through our three pillar truths, and this will be a bit of repeat for some, but it will be new stuff for, for a lot of us in here as well. And uh, it's been a journey, you know. We've had a journey. First year, we only met monthly, and then we met fortnightly, and then we went into COVID. <laughs> And um, and so there's and then we went into COVID again, <laughs> and so we you know we've had a journey. Of, but one of the things that we always have said from the outset is we want to go deep with each other and with God before we go wide. Because one, I've seen church plants and people do church plants and they burn people out. And but two, I but the mo the most important thing for me was that we learn as a community of how to host the presence of God. So that when he does come in a powerful way, it doesn't destroy us. Because, you know, many people cry out for revival and they cry out for things and then things get messy and they don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I can't remember who quoted it, but they, they said, you know, there's a lot of mess in a nursery, but graveyards are deadly and in order. But the nursery is alive and full of life. And I'll have that any day of the week over something that's in order, but there's no life, right? And so someone said to me when we planted the church, they said, oh, Liam, you're just going to become like any other church now that you're, uh, you know, meeting at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning because that's what everyone does. And you're going to be religious and it's going to be the same old. And I was like, geez, you're full of encouragement and hope, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> you know, praise God for you, eh? And... Uh, I said to him, oh, he's a good friend of mine, I love him dearly, and I, I said to him, do you put your kids to bed at the same time generally every night? And he's like, yeah, 7.30. And I was like, how dare you be religious in your parenting? And he's like, yeah, good point, point taken. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, we've got we to make sure, I just can't remember who we were talking to on, during the week, but the, the riverbanks are there to help the river flow. They're good, and they're, if they're good and healthy, the riverbanks and the systems and things like that are there to help the river of God flow. Once the river worships the riverbanks, then you're in trouble. If you know what I mean? And, uh, and so, we, you know, riverbanks are needed. Otherwise, you just get a big pond that doesn't ever go anywhere and doesn't ever flow. And so we, we want to, you know, we want to see the river of God moving. And I don't apologize for gathering together as the body of Christ. And we need it. It's awesome. And, uh, and so, hey, I've got, I've got a PowerPoint. <laughs> How about that, eh? Moving up in the world. Let's see if I can do this real quick. So, identity, our three core values which are in here. This is our vision of the church. It's a little bit of repeat from last, uh, last year with some extra stuff as well. But we have our core values of identity, intimacy and increase. And they're in that order and they're in that order for a reason. They're in that order because we believe that you don't do to become, you become so you do. You don't do to get your identity from God. You get your identity from God and then out of that you do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. And that God has called this house and we believe, uh, you know, the body of Christ, but this house to be heralds of righteousness. And, uh, and so 2 Peter 2.4 says that, he, it says Noah was a herald of righteousness and that this house would be a house where that sons and daughters would be known by God and would know God and would know, be known by each other as well. That would be the vertical and the horizontal. And that, the, that our identity in God is, is absolutely um, pivotal. You know, someone asked me, how have you gotten through, I shared this at Revive Night, they said, how have you gotten through COVID? How have you gone as a church? What are the things that you've done that, you know, have just been instrumental in helping you personally and you as a church? And I said, it's sonship. Sonship and, I, and, and daughtership, you guys are in that, all right? If men are the bride of Christ, you guys can just be in the sonship category, all right? It's a little bit of a joke. You can relax. <laughs> uh, but listen to this. Romans 6, 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died had, has been set free, has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Wow. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will, no, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Right? It's not I'm, it's not, I'm doing something in order to be... For him to be well pleased with me, he's well pleased with me because his son decided to kill my old nature and take up residency in me. It, 
right? People often say, Liam, you're, this is what I said last week. They say, oh, Liam, you've got to be careful because you're preaching something where people might take it as you can just sin and get away with it. No, grace is not a license to sin and get away with it. It is a license to live free because Christ came for freedom's sake to set us free so we would live free. Amen. <sighs> it's the gospel. He came to set us free to live free, to walk in freedom, to live out of the freedom that he has paid for. Are we living the life that, the, that he paid for, that the blood was shed on the cross for? Are we living that life? And it, it, it doesn't come from, I've got to not sin, 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 I've got to not sin. I don't walk out my front door and go, I've got to not have an affair, I've got to not have an affair, I've got to not have an affair. I walk out my front door and I'm like, how can I have an awesome relationship with my father? How can I have an awesome relationship because he loves me, because he's well pleased with me, because he decided to, I consider myself dead to sin. That is the word, take stock take of your nature. Right, I take stock take. What did he pay for on the cross? He paid for everything. Cast it as far as the east is from the west. And then I consider myself alive to Christ because I'm a son. It isn't, it isn't a license to get it. People say, well, you know, show me in Scripture where, <laughs> where there is a person that has not sinned out of a sinful nature. I said, well, Adam and Eve didn't have a sinful nature. So you can still live like an orphan in the promised land. My question is, why do you want to? <laughs> He's brought you into the promised land so we can live free. And I really, I really believe this. It doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a, a mom or a, a dad or a, you know, you're, you're a full-time a businessman or whether you're a you know banker or a lawyer or a politician or whatever it doesn't matter you're first and foremost a son or a daughter of God and then what you do out of that flows but if you are when you realize your identity as a son or daughter of God whatever sphere of influence you're in you bring the kingdom there it's not do you know like I think in America they did a study where 99% of Christians are not in full-time ministry in the sense of behind a pulpit or in the church. So that means only 1% are in ministry. That means the 99% are out in the world. And that's the way it, it probably should be. There are the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and the... Was that everyone? Prophets. There to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's the real thing in Ephesians 6. But then those, we are sons and daughters that get to display the kingdom out in the world around us. And when we know our identity as a son or a daughter, when the storms of life come against us, it, it doesn't matter what's going on around us because it matters what's going on in here. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so the world isn't happening to us, we're happening to the world. Amen? And so that is so important that we would know our identity as heralds of righteousness because, let's be honest, the world doesn't need more echoes of what's going around. It needs more people that would bring the voice of God into circumstances and situations. I'm telling you, we get this. We get this identity thing and the world will want what we've got. And you know what? It won't ever be about a man or a woman or a ministry. It'll be about Jesus. 
If we distort this, it'll become about ministry and it'll become about a person on a platform. But if we get the purity of this right, it will always be about Jesus. Always. All right. Next one is intimacy. You know, if we just, if we can have just language for this and we're like, yeah, I'm righteous. I'm, you know, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Yeah, I get it. I see it in scripture. And we're like, Oh, yeah, and we just, we just verbal diarrhea something rather than ever becoming intimate with the one that created us, then it'll just be more knowledge that puffs up that will never lead to anything, right? And John 17, if you go to John 17, says this. So I'm, I'm, I do love you. I'm just, I'm just passionate. John 17, 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that you would know God. I fear often people have, as Christians, they know the devil better than they know God. They're like, oh, the devil, the devil, the devil. I'm like, oh, I just, I just, well, I just know God. Just know the Lord. Fix your eyes on him. It's submit to God, resist the devil, and he does flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he does flee. But it's intimacy with God. good friend of ours, he put it this way. He said, if you just know identity and never know your intimacy with God, and you never actually just sit at the feet of Jesus for him to know you and you to know him, it's like sitting in a painting of a fire trying to warm yourself up. It would be weird if my daughters would go through Matt to get to me. They, ca- they have direct access to the Father. You have direct access to God. I, I know this is like maybe Christianity 101, but you have direct access to God. The same spirit that lives in you is the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the grave. Intimacy with the Father. Maybe sometimes, if I can just, I can just push the envelope a little bit further, but maybe sometimes we need to just put this down. I know some of you are looking at your Bible right now, but it's Okay. <laughs> But we need to put this down and we wonder why. We're like, oh, there's just chaos around me. Oh, how, how often do you, do you spend on your phone? Oh, seven hours a day. Okay. That's maybe a problem. It's not condemning. I'm just bringing you higher. <clears throat> and Acts 4, they, they, they said, these aren't learned men as, you, as we suppose, but we can tell they've been with Jesus. What a, what a compliment. That's it. It's like you can tell. Have you ever met people you're like, man, Heidi Baker. Man, I got to pray with Heidi Baker in a little tiny hotel room with Ben, actually. Ben and Jalil and myself, and there was like three others and Heidi. She's like this big, right? She walks in. She's got her suitcase. She walks in. She goes, right, let's pray. She just drops to her knees, and she just begins to pray for three hours. And I'm like, and her eyes, and she looks you in the eyes, and I'm like, you scare the living daylights out of me, girl. I'm telling you, I'm like, man, I need to get born again, right? I don't know if I know God like you know God, right? It's crazy. 
But it's like, man, that's got to do something to you. It's got to provoke you. When you look in the eyes of someone that you're like, man, they've been hanging out with Jesus. They know God. They know the Lord. It's got to let you, we can't go, oh, they know God and I can never amount to that. No, they have the same access to the spirit of God that we do. They have the same access to be intimate with God as we do. Intimacy with God, I really believe, is that word there where it says, um, this is eternal life that you would know God. It's the word yada. It's the word yada. It's the word that you would have intimacy with like a husband and wife. It's that you would deeply be connected to the Father, that it wouldn't be something that we would, you know, my heart's cry for this house would be a place where people come and they encounter Jesus and then they make Jesus known to the world around them. They wouldn't come and go, man, oh man, that was an amazing message. Uh, Praise God if you say that. But, But they would come and they would say, I encountered the Lord this morning. Every morning I pray that God would every person that walks through this building would get their breakthrough. Every person would encounter the Father. That this is one of the points I had, that this would be a sanctuary where his presence is hosted and released. That this would be a sanctuary where his presence is hosted and released. That we would be known by God and we would know God. You know, God says, get away from me, I never knew you. That's a scary verse. All right. When, um, when uh, yeah, there's, you can read that in the, in the flyers, but how do we do that? Through worship, through the word of God, through warfare and working of miracles. And then the last one is increase. But I remember when Alira was like two or three and uh, we, I was painting this cabinet or bookcase and I had to move it from like there to there in the garage. And I've shared this story before. And, and uh, she said, Dad, Dad, she was about two. And she could talk really well. She said, Dad, 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 can I help you? Can I help you move it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And so she grabs one end. I said, all right, grab one end and I'll grab the other end. Now I'm lifting 100% of the weight, right? And we move it and I drop it down. She's like, oh. And uh, I said, oh, why did you want to help me move it? And she says, oh, I just wanted to be with you, Dad. And I think when I had this thing happen to me, if I can paint it another way as well, when I, for about nine months, you know that thing where you, you crack, pretend to crack the egg on someone's head and you do the, you know, and it feels <laughs> warm and fuzzy, you know. I had that happen for nine months, uh, 2010, 2011. And it would happen consistently for nine months all over my body. Not, not someone following me around doing the right. I just, it's just like the presence of God was so tangible on my, on my body. And I remember, you know, I'd be on the toilet, bathtub, walking through Eastland, wherever I'd go, this thing would happen. I remember saying to the Lord, what is going on? He said, I'm teaching you how to be aware of my presence. You know when the woman came up with Jesus and touched the hem of his garment and he said he perceived that power had left his body. He was so aware of the presence of God that when, it, when power left, he knew. 
And it's, you know, they said, oh, everyone's touching you. He goes, no, 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 there was something, something happened. And I was like, wow, this is awesome, Lord. Like, I'll have this for life. This is amazing. And then it stopped. And I was like, what did I do wrong? He's like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm showing you how to be aware of, of my presence. And then it stopped for about two or three years. And Shen and I did Bible college in America. And we came back. And I remember I, I, I sat down and I was playing PlayStation, right? Real holy. <laughs> I was playing FIFA, okay? And... I'm there playing FIFA, and I hadn't had this for two or three years. And then I'm playing FIFA, and I'm like, because I hadn't played FIFA for a while, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm loving this, just enjoying it. About to have a baby, so I'll probably never play FIFA again. <laughs> and so let's play FIFA, right? And uh, I'm playing FIFA, and I, the presence of God just drops. I'm like crying playing FIFA. Now, I know soccer is like the Lord's sport and all, but... And I'm like, what is this? And he said, he, I, I, loud and clear, he said, Liam, I love this just as much as when you're reading your Bible. Now, that's not permission to just play FIFA <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> he, he just loves hanging out. He loves getting to know us. He loves who we are. He loves the things that you love. Many people know that God loves them. I don't know if they know that God likes them. They know that God loves them, but he likes you. He likes you. He created you perfect in the way that you are. Yes, sin has tainted it, but he's made us new creations in Christ. Amen. And the last one is increase. Of the increase, Isaiah 9, 6, it says of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And so we would know our identity, we would get intimate with God, and we would increase the kingdom. I'm not, this church, I, I believe our team are, in unison in this, that this church would be known as a church that increases the kingdom and because we're here, this city would look different. This isn't, we're not here, if, if, I think it's important that people would be known. I, we believe in home groups, we believe in um, connection, that we are, we're designed for connection. God is a trinity, right? He's, he's ha he is relationship, God is a relationship. He doesn't have a relationship. He is a relationship. And that we would be known by each other and that, that we would know each other and that people would know us and that we would be connected. We wouldn't be little islands floating in the sea. But that we're not here to, to build a Christian social club. We're here to see the kingdom of God advance and for miracles to be the normal I've just written some things down that we would be known by God and be known by each other. That this would be a culture of miracles. That truth would be taught and encountered. It says, know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
truth does, in and of itself doesn't set people free. You've got to know the truth. And that we would be a family on a mission to see his kingdom come and his will to be done. And that the loss would be reached and restored and released. Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And then he goes, now here's the keys of the kingdom, guys. Go and advance the kingdom of God. I think often we've swapped roles. And we're trying to be busy building the church. And there's no one extending the kingdom of God. Amen, Liam. <laughs> if Jesus doesn't show up, let's close the doors and go somewhere where he is at. Uh, uh, he needs to walk in the room. He needs to come. He's here. We know every week he's, he's, come, he's here. His presence is here. God's here. And that, he, that he, this would be a place where many sons and daughters would be birthed that people would know their identity, they would encounter truth, that the truth would set them free of depression, of anxiety, of suicide, of all the stuff, all the junk that people carry in this world, that there'd be a company of people that are heralds of righteousness, that they walk as sons and daughters of God, that they know God. They're like, I know my Father. I know God. I'm intimate with Him in community, in, in this uh, bigger setting, but also individually. That we go into our bedroom, we shut the closet door and we just get before our Father and we say, oh, speak to me. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I often say if there was a genius in the room, you'd probably want to just be quiet sometimes, ask good questions and listen. And that's the way I've been praying a lot. I just sit at the feet of Jesus and say, all right, speak to me, Lord. What are you saying? Speak to me, God. And then the third one is that we would increase the kingdom that we would bring kingdom culture everywhere that we go, that we are salt, we are light, and we are leaven. Salt brings flavour. Salt adds something to the meal. Light illuminates darkness. We come in a dark place. I mean, I, I love, this is like one of my favourite analogies. Just, just close your fist, right? There's darkness in your fist right now. Just release that darkness into a lit up room. Look how much effect that had. Nothing. You're the Jesus was the light of the world. And then he said, you're the light of the world. That's what he said. He said, you're the light of the world. Go and release the kingdom. Go and bring the kingdom of God into every area when you're at the shops, when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, when you're at your business place, whatever area it is, you bring the kingdom. You come in and you say, oh, I, have, I have the thermostat. I'm the one that sets the temperature in this place because I have the kingdom of God. And then you just watch the kingdom seep out and it becomes leaven. And it gets into the bread and it rises. Amen? We're going to read one verse and then we're going to pray. Isaiah 61. 
says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and the opening of prison into those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then listen to this, verse 4. They, who's they? Us, the ones who the Spirit of the Lord is upon. They shall rebuild ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. In the last days, many will stream to the mountain of the house of the Lord. I read a book a long time, a few years ago, uh, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. It's written by a, um, a Mennonite theologian. And he did a study on the early church and he said uh, that the early church didn't have evangelism programs. I'm not against evangelism programs. I love evangelism. But they didn't have evangelism programs because the church and the way they did life the way they did community and the way, the, way, the way they behaved and responded out in the world around them. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. You don't behave to get... It's, you behave because it's the way God's created you to be, right? Herald of righteousness. He said thousands, thousands and thousands of thousands and thousands of people came to know the Lord because the world looked on and said, I want what they have got. And just thousands came. We can't do that. I don't have the intelligence and no one in this room has the intelligence enough to create a program or a system that God would come and people would come and then it would be sustained. It will only be sustained if we put Jesus first. We seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all the things get added. If we never deviate from that, we will be okay and we'll see the kingdom come. We'll see the kingdom come in a powerful way. Bron, uh, Bron, Robin spoke to me last week. She said, Liam, I reckon it's time we let it rip. I agree with that. I reckon it's time that the Holy Spirit, we would make such a place for the Holy Spirit to come and just dwell and have his way. And when people walk into here, into our homes, into our businesses, into our area and our sphere of influence and our life, they would be transformed by the almighty power of King Jesus because he's alive and well. Why don't you stand? Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Thank you, Lord. You're so good. I just pray that this house would be a house that would be known 
for righteousness, for peace, for joy. And many sons and daughters, prodigals, would come home. The kingdom businesses would be birthed. That the creative spirit of God would be released in and through this house. That this house would be a house about Jesus. It would be about you, God. I just pray that many sick people would come in, they'd be healed. That, that just depression, cancer, COVID issues, issues that are going on in their bodies, they would be miraculously healed. Where like the woman with the issue of blood, where there's no hope, she's been to every physician, she's been to every doctor, that your presence would be here and would rest and many people would be healed of diseases. that where hope may have been lost in their life, they may be suicidal, they may be depressed, they may be anxious, that you said be anxious for nothing so it's possible to live without anxiety and depression. I just pray that many people would come here and they would, they would encounter your presence, they would encounter your love, they would encounter your goodness. They would be born again into a family, not into an organization. They'd be born into a family, a family on a mission to destroy the works of the devil. May this be a house known to hosting your presence, a house of worship, a house of prayer. A house where the name of Jesus, the name above every name is lifted high. That you would be exalted, Jesus. Your name would be exalted above the heavens. May this be a house of peace. May this be a house of joy. That there'd be dancing instead of mourning. There'd be joy in the midst of trials. May this be a house of heralds, heralds of righteousness. May you, Jesus, let it rip. <laughs> let it rip, God. Let it rip, Holy Spirit. Just come.